0: Yeah, I got my second shot actually my arm was sore more from the first shot than it was the second one like it lasted a while longer and it was funny I was standing in line and the person doing all the paperwork's like what arm right or left and I thought you know I never get I always get shots in my left arm so I said right not thinking that's my dominant side there's a reason I never get shots in my right side <laughs> <laughs> just try something. so like new. my shoulder was sore for like three days for some like more so than when I get any other, like a flu shot. It was weird. And the second shot, shoulder was sore one night. Didn't sleep great because of that, but literally the next day I was fine.
1: Yeah. It's taking it back to the uh, the old tetanus days. <laughs> huh. Remember that? The giant welt? Oh, man. Those are good times. <laughs> Reminiscing about uh, inoculations? Yeah, absolutely. This has been Inoculation, the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure there are like a hundred of those, actually. Uh, there's got to be. <laughs> I
0: should probably do an intro, okay. though. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like we're recording, so... I had to verify I knew, remembered how to use this before I left the apartment this morning. <laughs> so welcome to episode 44 of Stories from a Bar. I, of course, am the host, Chris Osborne. And for this episode, I'm hanging out in person with Chris Schnell? Sch- Shell. Shell. I wish I read those notes before I <laughs> s- pronounced that. I realized halfway into saying her name, I forgot to look at the spelling. <laughs> Everyone does it. No worries. <laughs> the brewer and owner here at the Warbler Brewery in Del Mar, New York. How are you, sir? I'm really good. How you been? Great, great. We were just talking about being fully vaxxed and ready to roll. Yeah. (laughs) It's nice. I love being out in person again. This is the second episode I've done on location since I've gotten my shots. Nice. So, And I'm excited to be here because I've talked about your beer before. And I've only had one of them, but we have a smattering, which I'm calling this, (laughs) of eight samples in front of us that I'm super excited about. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out. How's your day going so far?
1: I'm just glad it's sunny. I mean, oh, man. Uh, come on, come on, May, get it together. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great. We, we I started out in the tap room this morning, opened up, and we've had a little uh, a steady stream of uh, of tap room customers, which is which is new for us. Where we opened at at the end of November, and uh, and so it, it's been a lot of curbside, and and you know, people have been braving the tap room, but but really, we're, we're just sort of transitioning into that into that more taproom heavy, you know, sit down, enjoy a pint model. So it feels really good. This is our first weekend with with bar stools out. The bar can accommodate 15. We've got five out right now (laughs) just for social distancing. And we we felt like, um, yeah, maybe maybe investing in barriers when when uh, the guidance is is changing. Seems like weekly and arbitrarily is uh, is maybe not maybe not for us. So we've been we've been kind of we've been kind of steady with our with our uh, changes to the tap room. We we just moved to to actual glass glassware from disposable plastic a couple weeks prior, and uh, we, yeah, we're feeling good.
0: Nice, and uh, yeah, I definitely want to talk to you about the opening because you guys have opened uh, about halfway, kind of halfway into when all hell broke loose. <laughs> yeah. But first, let's talk about some of these beers i want to start particularly with the pilsner because that's the one i've had and is that this guy right here that's the one the perula pilsner so tell me about this guy so this is the only one of your beers i've had so far and i was fortunate so i live in niskayuna so get in here is about a half hour drive so that means i'll be stocking up before i leave as well nice <laughs> here in Delmar so and i was i remember seeing the articles about the place i was excited to eventually get out here one day try some of the beers and then i saw this guy at uptown beverage which is a local beverage center by me so i grabbed that i'm like so clean crisp smooth definitely and i stand by this being one of the best pilsners i've had thank you
1: thank you so much (laughs) and i I think the um simplicity is is the secret And any pilsner you're making this is, is a really, really basic malt bill. It's, it's two malts. It's just Vienna malt and, and Pilsner malt and um, uh, Hallertau, Middlefra hops, and uh, a German yeast, and that's it. So it's, it's just a, a mix of a few ingredients, unadulterated uh, water right out of our liquor tank, uh, no treatment. Usually we're, we're use adding, adding some brewing salts. Uh, all we did here was, was uh, pH correct and uh extended lagering so we're we're doing like six weeks on every batch which thankfully at at this point in in our you know our you know our our, our, on our business escape is is how how quickly we're running out of it so we're we're (laughs) always on um on fresh stuff when when the last batch runs out and it's which is really fortunate so yeah this is just designed to be just a showcase of of pills malt you get like a little bit of. a little bit of like baking bread, a little bit of maybe maybe like wildflower honey in the mix, uh, and, and then basically the that will dovetail into the the floral and spicy notes of the Hallertau hop, and that's it. That's all you. That's all you want to drink from it. Little little bit of hydrogen sulfide just to close out the the, t- the flavor profile.
0: Wow, yeah. Like I said, I'll be stocking up before I leave with some four packs. <laughs> and it's kind of funny so i live in niski unit with my girlfriend now we just bought a house we're moving to like the rotterdam side of schenectady so it's not any closer <laughs> but it's not any farther
1: yeah you learn learn the uh ins and outs of uh 787
0: yeah <laughs> i'm quite familiar but uh yeah so like I said, half hour so i gotta make sure i leave here with like a case of some nice mix of stuff awesome i won't let you forget no <laughs> And uh, I tell you though, finding finding a house was a pain in the ass. That oh my God. was,
1: yeah. We're uh, my wife and I are are um, just 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 in preliminary. Oh really? Uh, research as far as uh, the housing market around here. We want to move into Delmar. Right now we're we're out in Guilderland, um, in an apartment, and it's 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 time. And uh, but it's a it's a, definitely a seller's market right now.
0: Oh yeah, it's insane. Like we were looking for like nine months. Or so we were literally about to give up and just take a different apartment for a year and then try again because uh, we needed to just get out of wherever we were yeah, it's just horrible neighbors but uh so my realtor sends me this listing before it hits the market we're like holy shit talk about time and this is perfect let's go look at this so and my realtor and the selling realtor were friends, so we thought we'd have, like, an inside track to at least get an offer in or something like that before I hit the market. Went up on Zillow while I was there looking at it. I'm like, ah, oh, curses. <laughs> I'm like, because we've been outbid a number of times already. You done got zillowed? Yeah. And so we put in the bid at our max anyway, and it, literally the luckiest thing I've ever had happen in my life. Like, uh, I'm a government contractor for the Navy. So I may be able to use Navy Federal for, like, my loans and stuff like that, which is super cool. They've been super great. And the realtor told me after we put our offer in, they're like, they really like the fact that you used Navy Federal. And I thought to myself, I hope they don't think I served in the Navy because I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That was, like, my first thought. That's cool. I just Stolen valor. uh, I hope they don't, you know, end up picking me because they think I served. That's what happened. So she called, like. They went three days. They were gonna like, best offer by so-and-so at 4 o'clock. I get a phone call that night from my realtor with, like, saying she had tears in her eyes. They picked my offer over one that was, our our offer over one that was, like, 15 grand more because they had a strong connection to the Navy and love that I served. I'm like, my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, you got to go back and tell them I was oh, not in course. the Navy. Like, I, morally, I can't live. <laughs> live with that. You got to tell them that can't be the reason they pick me so my girlfriend and i are sitting there just bummed out all over again we're like this is kind of worse than just saying they took a different offer to begin with and we get a phone call 15 minutes later saying, you're not going to believe it but they admired you fast enough and took your offer anyway
1: like holy shit hey integrity what a roller coaster of emotion how about it like it was insane so um you guys uh you guys taking uh tenants We'll, we'll move in. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get cozy. We'll be the beer. We'll be the beer people. You guys can supply the nuclear energy. And,
0: yeah, 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 that'd be cool. Yeah, but on to back to beer stuff. <laughs> Got sidetracked real easy because I'm oh, getting man. super excited about that.
1: Yeah, I wanted to keep talking about real estate.
0: <laughs> no, but she did tell me one story after I was going to look at a house that she had a client put in a twenty-five over offer. Someone came in at fifty over. Like that is insane. Oh that's the God. move though it's like you can't go in at even asking right now it's no. mind-boggling but let's talk about beer because we are tap there's room so looks many nice by through. the way as we and we have like <laughs> seven more of these to get through we're hanging out in the back which is kind of cool by all the cans and the, all your equipment and stuff like that yeah this is
1: like my dragon's hoard of cans <laughs> um yeah there's there have been some market shortages and so i i ordered twelve thousand at once which should take take me a, a few months to get through it's we're like a third of the way done with with them but yeah they're they're um uh for all you listeners we're we're in like a, a 15 by 15 uh by 12 high space and uh the cans are uh, you know occupying a good quarter of that right now so it's yeah we have enough room to kind of squeeze around and um i have to like climb into our our um <laughs> pallet stacked shelving to get to any of my uh, raw materials to, to brew but you know what we we have cans and so that's that's oh, the important thing we're getting the product out to you
0: and they will get used they will so you guys opened back in november when the world was already in yeah. full pandemic mode yeah.
1: day before thanksgiving and um we didn't know if we were gonna uh get our co in time uh we really needed the, the holiday income we were already six months behind schedule and uh so we were running low on operating capital and and just decided we couldn't wait any longer and uh so we, we opened into the, the second wave of the pandemic, which uh, which w- it was a scary time. I mean, we're we're, we're a, a small operation. You met you met Haley out front, our bartender. It's it's her and me primarily. And then my my wife and my parents help out periodically. But so it was it was it was a harrowing couple of months before I was vaccinated because, it, you know, if I go down who's going to open the brewery up, who's going yeah. to brew, who's going to be able to even taste the beer, you know, because of, you know, some of the symptoms of, of COVID are, are really not conducive to uh, uh, quality control checks by someone who's <laughs> sensory compromised or,
0: Can't you know, you have up. to
1: shut down for two weeks and we lose that income and, and every, every dollar counts at this point. So we're, we were double masking and, and really, really taking, uh, taking every precaution uh, besides not being open. And then in January, when when the cases spiked and the London variant came, then we decided to, to shut down the tap room uh, altogether, just go to the curbside model. And thankfully, we had we'd already, um, you know, in the business model and planning on canning and uh, and having the, the crowler filler. So we were we were already set up to do that. And uh, our point of sale made it really easy for people to go online and order beer. And so that's that sustained us through a, a really, really tough, tough uh six weeks of of uh closure and and boredom in the tap room which uh you know we watched a lot of bar rescue and everything was super clean but um (laughs) yeah it was it was really really stressful
0: i can i mean i can imagine like uh the guys at mixed breed said because they just opened of course a few weeks ago the pandemic uh for them gave them time to learn how other places adjusted and know what they would have to do when they open. So they were prepared for everything. Yeah. Did it give you any kind of time opening in November? Obviously, we've been through a wave of the pandemic. What did you expect when you finally got to open?
1: So we, we knew it had been drilled into our heads. And, and thankfully, like we we, we missed the, the customer learning curve. So people people knew what to do in the tap room while we were still kind of figuring it out. But we really shifted gears um, very, very quickly um, in the space of a day or or less um, from construction in here. This was my uncle and I did did this whole renovation and and brewery build out by hand. He's a he's like a retired master contractor and uh, shout out Ed Languish, just crushed it. Just, awesome. He just willed this place into existence, and I was like his gopher. Yeah, it looks great. Um, out there. But um, you know, I, I'm. I just want to make beer. That's kind of like my, <laughs> my whole my whole thing, I, <laughs> the mantra. Uh, but uh, so it, because of that, it was it was a, a a learning process, and and thankfully the first day was a, a lot of uh, to go orders. So we got to you know we had a. Thankfully, I I know how to build and balance a draft system just from other projects I've done and. Uh, so everything, everything at least worked right for the first for the first couple days because we did, we did like a few thousand dollars of business um, for our our first couple of opening weekends. Like every day was a, a couple grand of, of just like lines of of people getting crowlers, and we wow. didn't have the canning system online yet. We we got that used, and there were a couple parts that were a little suspect. So I didn't want to you know, um, but because of our system was built in Canada, and the international shipping, being what it is, uh, or what it was at that point in the pandemic, uh, we didn't get that online until uh, late December, early oh, wow. January. So that was uh, it was all all on the backs of the of the October can seamer. Uh, so I'm,
0: yeah, uh, I was uh, in fact. Do you know Dave Gardell from the Ruck?
1: Uh, big admirer. I haven't met him personally, but yeah, I've, I've been he to some a, of the beer dinners. He's super sprouting. cool
0: guy. In fact, he was uh, one of the last in-person episodes I did in November before you know uh, the spike again in COVID, um, and I drew it back. But uh, he had a great story because he chipped like he ordered basically a tractor trailer full of cans for, tried to organize this huge order for all these local breweries. Super cool guy. But yeah, the can shortage was you he heard some crazy stories from some of the brewers.
1: Yeah, it was, it was insane. And, um, I mean, even, you know, crawlers, it wasn't, so, it wasn't a, a, an issue from like the supply chain, but our, our initial crawler supplier really dropped the ball on, on getting us, um, our, our shrink sleeved crawlers, which we were doing at the time. We've since moved to, you know, bright cans with, with labels, but we were, we were supposed to see those like the day before we opened. And, and, uh, they were a week late, so we had to we had to have uh, um, Scotty Veltman from from Indian Ladder helped us out a lot. Fiden's hooked us up with a bunch of cans. Um, Greg nice. Wilhelm down at uh, Royal Meadery uh, gave us a few hundred, and oh, wow. they, yeah, those. So the community really stepped up and they they made our opening possible. That does not so surprise really, really me in the least to those based people, on but,
0: everyone I've talked. To. Yeah, it's great to see you know all the breweries helping each other out. Yeah, it occurs to me I can't sit here and just sip on these <laughs> until i finish them <laughs> with each one or i will i don't i can't chug eight of these in an hour but so what's this next guy i will finish these it just <laughs> i want to get through this <laughs> while we're talking you want to go in a, like a flavor impact
1: order do you like kind of like a taste through? sure whatever you reckon all right let's go with on the paleo so the paleo. W- that's warblers our flagship mm-hmm. unfiltered but not super duper hazy uh we let that drop bright um in the in the uh in steel before we before we package it so it's it's never super duper hazy and it's got a kind of a new old school uh hop mix citrus mosaic nugget so you get top notes of citrus you get some berry in the middle and then that slides down into like almost like earth and tea um really nice sipper six percent abv i like this a lot so. english yeast uh, but not super duper estuary or or diacetyl uh, i really like our house strain
0: yeah, that's good. I mean, I drink a lot of IPAs, of course, but pilsners and pale ales I think are actually t- two of my favorite types.
1: Yeah, that has been I've I've been going for the the pilsner as my post shift and especially in the with warmer oil, weather. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh so the Warblers um nice uh, nice mix of uh of dry hop and drinkability and uh we we say it's continuously evolving, so that that one can remain our flagship brand um no matter what the market does. Yeah. Uh, so we can, you know, we can adjust, uh, we can adjust attributes as, as things evolve. We decided to go that route just because things are changing so quickly right now, and uh, so we'll we'll see where it goes. Right now, it's you know two row flake oats, little Vienna malt.
0: Device. Nice, definitely uh, uh, nice and balanced. Yeah, that really is really pretty like good. It. Are you doing this full time, or do you
1: have a yeah. date? Okay, so yeah, you... I'm a career brewer. So I, All I'm, right, I'm uh, heading into my twelfth year. Uh, nice, uh, pro at this point. So,
0: gotta ask. About the name, because when I first saw the articles about uh, the brewery opening and I read the name Warbler, I'm like, what the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, I had no the idea it was even the type of, type of bird at the at the time. Yeah. The- but tell me about the Warbler name and what was so enticing to name the brewery after the Warbler bird. Wood Warbler, right?
1: Yeah. so Well, Wood Warblers are like uh, the North American songbird family. Um, so it's it's super diverse. There's like over 150 species. Usually their their uh, breeding range is like up here in, in like the northern United States in, into Canada, and they're and then they migrate down uh, to overwinter in like Central and South America. Um, I, I'm just a, I'm just a little nature nerd, and I, I grew up <laughs> go, doing um, doing like Helderberg Workshop uh, out out Indian Ladder Way, yep, um, up in the mountains and and just just loved, uh, loved the, the bird class that they put on did that a zillion times. And so we I, I knew going in that I wanted some kind of like nature name and and birds are really charismatic. And and so I was just looking through and, you know, what's something what's something special, but also really, really common, diverse, but also, but also, you know, something that you can that you can get to know and recognize. And, and so the you know, the, the, the process of elimination and the progression towards, uh, towards that selection, uh, was, was pretty natural once we, especially once we, we, we nailed down, uh, Bethlehem, uh, as our, as our location. So the, the whole kind of overarching theme of the brewery is, is the, the interplay between, you know, human and, and nature, the, the eco anthropo kind of, uh, I don't. I don't want to say nexus. I don't want to be buzzwordy, but that's the word that came to mind. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, that's how the tap room is set up. As um, I mean, this is a this is an audio medium, but our tap oh, room man. is our tap room is done with with um, earth tones down below, and then it gets brighter as you go up, like you're moving through like a forest. So there's like a there's like a canopy, a, a wood a wood portion, and and uh, like a sky. Uh, so, so yeah, that's that's kind of the that's kind of where we are with with branding and and with philosophy is is just getting is taking inspiration from from kind of like the, the Northeast woods and and uh, naming things after not just like birds but biomes or um, or just like eco concepts or or, you know, things that, like as weird as like plant histology. We have a we have a stout called phloem right now, which is like a vascular tissue. In plants. But uh, so it's yeah, it's 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 super nerdy, but it's it's kind of fun and oh that's and, super uh, cool. Yeah, it's just a nice nice way to express ourselves. Nice.
0: So on to the next beer here.
1: That's dissimulation IPA. All right. So that's our that's like our core IPA and the product makes seven percent ABV. Uh, this is all cryo, so it's it's citra, mosaic, and uh, uh, da, 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 come on. Eldorado. Eldorado, and then I yeah, like that. It, it, similar malt build to, to Warbler, but but brightened just a little bit. So that's um, yeah, two row uh, flaked oats, wheat, and a little bit of Vieta malt. Just just really nice. really drinkable, uh, balanced, but still with a really potent flavor mix uh, towards you know trying for the kind of brighter end of things, but also you know with, again with the mosaic in there, that little back sweep into some red berry.
0: Nice, yeah, that's quite tasty. I was looking forward to trying that one because at least this one I knew. I knew of. I didn't know how many you already had on tap, which.
1: Yeah, not enough. I, I wish I had four more taps, I'd just be, be rocking and rolling.
0: <laughs> but... Tell me about the logo because the logo is pretty cool, and who designed that for you guys?
1: Uh, that's Ian Tartaski. He's a Boston-based graphic designer. He does all of our labels. Um, he designed our logo, which which is stylistically a little different than than everything else. It's a kind of Pokemon esque. It's a cute little warbler. Yeah, a I, little bit. Yeah, I can see that. Really, really like that. Just kind of kind of like a geometric, layered, little stylized bird. So he's I've I've known him for like fifteen years now, and good friend of the family. He's just just really really brilliantly talented. Uh, he's a he's a painter. Street artist like graffiti, uh, does some really cool like uh, sci-fi punk art on his uh, is kind of his main thing. And oh. uh, but he was he ever since I've been brewing, I've I've wanted him to do the design. So he awesome. he takes um he takes a couple you know he takes prompts from me and then and then just goes absolutely crazy on these labels, the, the detail, because he's doing it in vector art in, in Adobe Illustrator. Yep. And so the the detail, as you zoom just keeps getting more and more rich down to the, like, a, the, the birds have individual feathers. And then those feathers contain like fractals and uh, really crazy patterns. And it was designed for for digital print, but but they're actually showing up really well on our ink print labels and, and on our posters. You know, you can you can blow them up and they still look just as beautiful and lush and detailed.
0: I gotta say, some of yeah, some of the cans, like the art definitely catches the eye, but it, some of that is super trippy. I feel <laughs> like, like I don't I I don't smoke or do drugs, but I feel like if I was in, in drug-induced haze and I started looking at some of that can art you guys have. Just a bunch I, of chickadees. I, like, I would be freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going on with like this Perula label? Is that a like a rooster with his upside down and forward. I love. I think my favorite one is the bo- Squeech Blackberry one. The owl the looks grumpy drunk, grumpy looking owl. He yeah. looks drunk. He has like one eye closed, like he's ready to fight. <laughs> yeah, he'll get you. <laughs> Tell me about this next That's guy. That's Canopy
1: right Double IPA. Uh, so we're, we're just starting to explore the the this series. It's going to be a, a series of three. So these are these are a little bit hazier than than our typical. Uh, product mix kind of the the through line for these these beers is is clean fermentation and simplicity and this one is is a little bit outside of that so this is done with um incognito cryo and type 90 hops and so that's gonna it's it's a, a phrase coined by other half um for that technique is uh high density hop charge or hdhc so it's yeah super super bright juicy Almost overwhelmingly so, and but on a a really pillowy malt backbone. um, It's good. Wheat based. Definitely uh, different. Really, really uh, having fun with those. So that's that's canopy number one, um, Citra and Cashmere. So you get like a little bit of vanilla, tangerine, and um, even like a little bit of peach in there. So we have that as the double IP series. We're also going to launch a single. IPA series version of that called Understory. Uh, awesome. Our first one of those will be out in a couple weeks. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked about that. That might even be out at press time. I don't know when, I don't <laughs> know when you put these out.
0: Uh, I generally give myself a week. I still, I work full time, so I try to take 10 to 15 minutes a night or something and to do some editing. Cool. And when I say that, it's really just me cutting out some ums and cleaning up some extra space.
1: Oh, I'm a big um guy, so you got your work <laughs> cut out for you.
0: And i don't like this is my favorite part of the pod- podcast clearly sitting here drinking and then i sit there down to edit i'm like why the why the fuck do i still do this like, <laughs> i don't want to do this. <laughs> this this guy's
1: all dead air what's going <laughs> on here it's
0: not even that i'm like uh and then i'm back to sit <laughs> i love the drinking and chatting part yeah then i sit down to edit i'm like uh but my but i have video games over there that i could be playing
1: <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> what are you playing these days I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I feel like I've been playing for three years now because the game just won't end. <laughs> Story-wise, I mean, it's it's just massive. I I love um
1: love a long story mode though. You know, sometimes do, you feel like shortchanged by, by some of these releases. No, so.
0: I mean, I love a long story, but Assassin's Creed you get you have the gist of it. There's nothing stealth about it. I'm a Viking going around murdering and burning down villages. Like this, no stealth here whatsoever. <laughs> So, (laughs) and it's doing the same thing over and over again. Okay. Yeah, it's pain. Like, uh, I played Shadow of Mordor, the Lord of the Rings game, which was fun for the first two-thirds of the game. Then the last third of that is literally reconquering every castle over and over again. And for a story that doesn't make sense at this point. Like, come on.
1: That's kind of how I felt about, like, RDR2. Just, like, uh, the the back third of it was... um just like made me sad and it just like just like winding down you're like oh my god it's like like a sweeping western epic with like a like you know i don't want to spoil it if there's someone that still hasn't played it but
0: uh it's been out long enough
1: yeah. but like yeah the guys got guys sick for like the last <laughs> last like like 20 hours
0: of the game yeah i know
1: oh my god but yeah all right.
0: i was a fun game i'm a big final fantasy and zelda fan oh those, nice those are probably my two uh, go-to franchise I was an
1: Ocarina kid But I, I haven't I haven't gotten to play Much of the other stuff But that's uh, the best one anyway So I've heard
0: Oh yeah And it's I was 15 when that came out I got a job at McDonald's Just so I could buy A Nintendo 64 and Ocarina of Time awesome. And then quit immediately Because I needed time to play it. Of course Yeah <laughs> <laughs> So Oh I mean We talked on the Touched on the tap room You built it with your uncle You said Yeah just Tell me how the design Came together And everything Yeah
1: so this was an Italian restaurant and um, we so we, we selected it because uh, the location is great on we're right on Delaware Ave in Del Mar across from the Delaware Plaza. And uh, this is my hometown, by the way. Yep. So we have uh, I have support from my parents and uh, and that, that's that's great. And, and my extended family. Uh, so so we were familiar with this location as Mercado's uh, Italian restaurant. And we. So, we, so we, we knew about the front of house. Uh, we knew that there was this – this this was the banquet room back here where this where, we're sitting where in the we're now it's yeah, Now it's just stuffed to the gills with, with <laughs> beer stuff. But you can kind of see like still there's like – Oh, yeah. There. Yeah, we like trim. Nice trim back behind there. <laughs> but uh, so uh, it, it, the, the front of house was more cosmetic. We um, just like uh, sprucing up. We expanded the walk-in cooler, got into a little bit of – a little redesign with the stereo, put up some TVs and and uh, cleaned everything up and repainted and uh, and that was for the most part it besides us having to also build a, um, an accessibility ramp indoors with our own bare hands which was that, that was that was probably the most the most work I've ever done on anything in really? my entire life because uh, we had to, we had to cut out the existing slab, um, oh man uh re re-pour, lower that front entrance door and, really because the, yeah the handicap entrance was was back here uh so we had to we had to move it to get huh. you know code uh code compliant crazy so yeah that was that was a bananas hard part of the project but everything else up there was was mostly cosmetic and uh and then uh, where the kitchen was that was all set up with three phase and and um uh, great water. So we just added a, a GAC filter, we did new, uh, new FRP everywhere, because everything, you know, all the paneling was, was pretty tired from, you know, a, like four decades of, <laughs> of grease and, and other uh, restaurant detritus, yes, uh, pulled down, uh, pulled down part of the the uh, upper mezzanine to, to make room for our, our glycol system. Uh, this this it was not an existing doorway. So for the listeners, I got to, uh, I got to blow out like a four by six piece of wall, which was very exciting.
0: I, you know, I would love to be part of a remodel, but only the destruction part.
1: (laughs) That was, it was, that was, yeah, it was a blast. I got to yeah hammer on a bunch of, uh, two by fours until they, until they splintered in or (laughs) or just like popped out, but it was well-built place. So it, it was a lot of effort. Um, and then, yeah, we just took down fume hoods, uh, Ran new electric. Ran uh, we, we hand built this. This glycol system is is all designed by my uncle, and then and just sweated. It, you know, parts of it sweated in place. Parts of it sweated uh, down here. But the in situ parts were were uh, you know a beast because we were up there mm-hmm. on ladders, just like getting burned by oh man <laughs> various various uh, flaming elements <laughs> and uh, plumbed water the system regrouted yeah yeah the list goes on but yeah the most I mean, part was that you know putting the tanks in place
0: nice were there things you wanted to try to get in here that you couldn't once you got into it and saw stuff no
1: this was this is, was extremely thoughtfully planned out by my uncle and everything was more or less in place i mean i mean there's there's always stuff that you have to address on the fly but, yeah um i would i would say i would say more in the front with, you know, there were just ceiling tiles that needed to be replaced or, or, or re insulated. So we spent a lot of time in the ceiling that we didn't know we were going to do. But and also, there being uh, a, a run on, on contractors and subcontractors meant that we weren't going to be able to get the help we needed. So there were there were things that we that we thought we were going to, to have other people do that we ended up doing. But other than that, yeah, which this, this came together. More or less, how he planned it out, and how I, how, how he had uh, uh, interviewed me to to address my needs, and and uh, so yeah, everything everything came together really really well. Awesome. Except that it took an extra six months. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's the one thing you try to account for, but never yeah. can never fully grasp. All right, let's move on to a dark beer here. Ooh. Which okay, so you're, you're holding
1: Cafe Flurpy Coffee Stout. So our, our Flurpy Stout series is uh, a line of sweet stouts um, with vanilla. That's the base beer. We don't use animal products in any of our beers. My wife's a vegan, and and there's a, a, a vegan community in, in the area. So we just decided, yeah, let's make, make beers that people don't have to make an effort to, you know, find out if there's animal products All in right. it. So, so no lactose. Um People have moved away from like Isenglass findings and you know, all that yeah. already. But lactose is the limiting factor as far as the sweetness goes. So we just adjust the fermentation profile and, and add the vanilla for perception of sweetness. And, and uh, there you have it. And then this one is is done with uh, coffee uh, from Brutus Roasters up the road. They Brutus. An amazing job. And we're collaborating the, with them yeah, I've again. Heard, I,
0: I've heard, the, I've heard the name. Is that um, – are they next to Real McCoy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, may, next time you're next time you're visiting over there, yeah, definitely, definitely check them out. They they do an amazing job, really Ooh. ethical, responsible, um, responsibly nice. supplied. So now you're drinking the phloem Imperial Stout. So that's done okay. with maple syrup, pecans, vanilla.
0: Okay, yeah. Me- now, you, just now you're hand and everything the, I thought I could yeah. taste. Okay.
1: So that one's really nice. We have that one in bottles right now, seven fifty mil, and we do it in crowlers and on tap. Uh, we also have uh, a little. Little barrel program started over there, so that one in our in our chocolate imperial stout moon and back are are now resting in barrels for the holiday season.
0: So it's going to be bananas. I try to get in the stouts, but they're at the bottom of types that I really enjoy. But even when I taste them, I'm like, yeah, this is good. But I can only ever drink so much.
1: Yeah, it, it for me, it's 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 somewhat seasonal. But sometimes you know you're around a campfire or something, and all of a sudden it makes sense again. And you're like oh oh,
0: oh okay. So you're a Del Mar native, you mentioned how is it being back in your hometown and actually brewing for the community? Uh,
1: better than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see everyone again. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of friends who either remained in the area or, or moved back over over the years. I've been out of co- I graduated college in, in twenty ten, so I've been
0: so, where you go more or
1: less a uh, uh Hartwick out in Oneana.
0: Oh wow. My so, uh, my uncle went there or taught there or something i don't remember i know i remember hartwick being i think he worked there as the soccer coach at the time oh wow years ago yeah that's
1: they have a a storied soccer program yeah that's
0: that's uh that's uh or i could be making all this up i don't remember now i was just a kid (laughs) that sounds familiar cool (laughs) yeah that's that's rad but yeah he's a soccer coach in gilderland now but awesome yeah so running a business in your hometown
1: yeah uh it's it's been great people have been in- incredibly supportive uh we have we have a network here so that's been that's been nice you know, running into family friends and and people people that i went to school with and you know my heartwick friends a lot of them grew up in in the capital region so they're they're still around or or they're back visiting and they'll they'll come say hi It's 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 a great town it's I did not appreciate it when I was a punk little kid. I wanted to get away, and now I've lived in some places. I mean, I feel like that's the case for
0: any kid growing up. No, like most kids hate and want to get out of the town they're in like I didn't appreciate Albany when I was growing up and then I moved away to South Carolina for five years came back of course I turned 21 when I came back so being able to drink helped but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it I mean that helped me once I was back I developed more of an appreciation for you know the towns and the places I grew up because I've also gotten to see them change and grow and all the money that's being pumped particularly into Schenectady because I live over that way now. And yeah, it's it's, it's crazy it's, to see, and you know, lots of breweries open, and of course, but all types of other local places that I hope the pandemic doesn't kill, of course, but
1: yeah, yeah, they, 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 there's there's a lot of support there. And I, I, um, my my bartender and and her boyfriend live out that way, and they're they're frequently you know patronizing all that stuff. So yeah, yeah they're, they're keeping them afloat.
0: I don't think I've been this far down, or at least in to Del Mar, maybe since I delivered flowers years ago. <laughs> Like well, welcome I to, back. I know. It's been a long time. Like, I was on the thruway coming here, They're like, exit 23. And I'm like, holy shit. I don't think I've gone past 24 in years. <laughs> yeah, you don't go past exit 24. <laughs> but, it, yeah, and as soon as I got off, I recognized everything. I'm like, oh, yeah, now I remember what it was like down here. But because yeah, I've been to the Real McCoy in Boston Spa and talked to Mike and Mike there. I haven't been to their spot here in Delmar, which, of course, is where they started. So I'm hoping to maybe just pop in there quick on the way back up. Nice, maybe pick up a couple cans. So, I mean, what got you interested into brewing then? So been, I've been I mean, you were obviously since I was like three. <laughs> you were obviously so, at a number of places before you got back here and opened up. But where did it all begin for you?
1: Yeah, so my my big brother got me into craft beer when I was a teenager. You know, my family would go up to up to Maine on on trips, and you know, my parents. Would always get flights from places you know gritty mcduff's or uh or shipyard up there this is, this is pre pre uh portland explosion so it was really you know just allagash the only thing up there oh, yeah. um up, up north of of um like freeport but Gritties, I, I think they're Hartwick people actually but yeah so i got into like um into like english beer that's all like peter austin systems up there because uh, uh, Alan Pugsley, the, the shipyard guy, is kind of like the Johnny Appleseed of, of craft brewing in the in the American Northeast. So yeah, I, I just I loved craft beer and and had you know coming back you know from trips and, and learning that C H Evans was here that that was huge, and they made amazing beer and, and you know I always got tips from my parents or or, or snuck beer when I could, <laughs> and uh, have yeah just have loved have loved craft. Since since I was a teen, heading into college, my brother was was making beer in his frat house, and I was like, "Oh my god, you can make it! I thought you need like a factory to do that, and, and you do." But yeah, his stuff was was drinkable, and uh, it had the had the I guess advertised col- effect. But
0: I guess in college, that's all that's required. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just need to be able to stomach it.
1: But I was, yeah, I was stoked about that and, and asked him a lot of questions about it. And he eventually, he and his then girlfriend, now wife, uh, Ashley, got me my first uh, uh, kit brewing system when I was like 19. And so then I just started going crazy, brewing in the dorms, brewing in in my frat house, or out in, you know, we had like an environmental campus. Like, is the statute of limitations up on this? I don't know. But it doesn't (laughs) doesn't matter. Uh, They they have a brewing program now. So they're, yeah, I consider myself the progenitor. I mean, did you have to kind of (laughs) keep
0: this under wraps? I mean,
1: yeah, I didn't advertise that (laughs) I was doing this. But um, yeah, it was just fun. Just made my, I think my first kit beer was like a pale ale, which. I was going to ask
0: you if you remember your first. Yeah. I remember my first
1: couple. And, um, yeah, my friends all used to call them shell brows and we used to, you know, get together and pop shell brows and, and, uh, and play video games or watch, watch fights. And it was, it was really fun. And, but my college degrees in anthropology and I was thinking about getting into like, like forensic entomology. I was, you know, again, nature nerd into bugs. Really did well with with entomology courses. Ended up as a tutor and and was going to go into grad school for that, um, but took a summer uh, just working around um, the Cooperstown area up at Cooperstown Brewing Company is actually where I started doing tours and tastings while my my at the time the girl I was dating was finishing up school and I just I just fell in love with it like I, I you know I had I had kind of fantasized about doing like a brew pub at some point. But just to get to actually work around it and talk about it every day was—I mean, obviously, I'm—I'm I'm just ranting at you today about, about beer. <laughs> well, but
0: I, I say I, this a lot. That's my; these are my favorite episodes because I just sit here and drink. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like my least favorite part about this, other than editing, is my own voice. So,
1: um, so from there, I went to uh, Butternuts out in Garrettsville. Yeah, that that's
0: one I, that's not some one I had heard of.
1: That's a that's a super super cool place to visit. It's like a it's an old. Is like a heifer barn or a dairy barn it's a really 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 cool beautiful bucolic setting really and then just a really kooky kind of product mix Uh, he was he was i think the first brewery on the east coast to or the first microbrewery to to can on the east coast really um like maybe like the fifth in the in the country Uh, i mean we're not talking like like Gangling or anything like that. Yeah. Like re- those are kind of regional breweries that have been around forever. But, you know, of, of the new wave. Uh, so, so, you know, Pork Slap Pale Ale was the flagship. <laughs> and that was like a ginger, amber the ale. The old Pork and, Slap. The old Pork Slap. Uh, which named after Park Slope, Brooklyn, where where the brewmaster Chuck Williamson grew up. I didn't and know that. It was a yeah, it was a crazy like farm setting. We just had a lot of fun. It was it was it was, a, it was hard work because the, the system was it was pretty rudimentary for for the level of production we were at. I think it, I think we peaked close to fifteen thousand barrels a year on a, on a fifteen barrel system. So yeah, multi shift brew days, real um, production ethic, and and I got to uh, Chuck was really cool in, about letting us letting us take charge and, and take positions that, you know, he needed us to fill as we, as the place grew. Um, so he, he put out educational materials for us. And so we would just like study at lunch. And, uh, now that my old head brewer, Dan Miller is out in, in, uh, Glasgow, Scotland, um, uh, or Baileyston, I guess is the, but he's, uh, he's at overtone, which is blowing up out there. He's like the, the head brewer there. It's really cool. Uh, it was a really, really amazing experience getting to just getting to know how to troubleshoot beer was the, like was what that was all about. It's, it's just a crazy, crazy farm brewery. Nothing ever worked right, but we you know we made it work, and we you know, had a pretty big distribution
0: footprint all the way down into Florida. Holy wow! Um, then did you end up at Robin Hood Brewing?
1: Yeah, so so that place I got hired to basically started up, you know, I'd I'd learned a ton from, from butternuts and they were looking for a a young guy. So I went down there at at age 25 and, uh, that was, that's right outside of Penn state in, in Belfont PA. And I got a nice little three and a half barrel system down there. And, and that was like my little crazy labs Just nine fermenters and three brights, So we were, you know, it was like a 24 tap product mix. And I just got to got to go crazy. You know, I learned, I learned about like traditional brewing and and clean fermentations from my first two jobs. And then I learned how to, how to kind of flex that into, uh, into more novelty or adjunct heavy stuff uh, on my own down there as, as like a head brewer. So I got there, it was a hole in the ground and we, you know, we, we put it together and grew the brand. And So they're, they're, they've, uh, they've weathered the pandemic. They're doing well. My old assistant brewer, Caleb's, uh, uh, still running that place
0: and they're there yeah that's another well. one i hadn't heard of either yeah it's
1: just a there's a little brewery but yeah. worth, worth a visit if you're ever on i-80 i
0: uh i work with a guy that's from pennsylvania and he's a huge history nerd and he would approve of that term and all kinds of <laughs> and beer so i'm sure he probably knows of it if i mention. literally if i mention anything about pennsylvania he's like I, such and this, such and such happened there this and there and he's been oh that's five miles from here i'm like jesus man <laughs> So let's move on. We got two two more beers left to talk about as we move along here. So what's this guy? All right, you're you're holding
1: Alba Blonde Ale. So th- wow. so this this beer we make on like a wheat base. So it's That's nice it's and light, super soft, really light. Yeah. It's it's dry hopped, and we do like a rotating hop with that. So this one is all Aussie hops, Australian, uh, Galaxy, Enigma, and Vic Secret. So you're getting like pineapple. A little bit of white wine, a little bit of passion all fruit, right. but yeah, very unobtrusive. Yeah, bitterness is just enough to kind of cut the the um, richness of the wheat malt. And it's all very, it, very. Yeah, it all to be seems light like just drinking. enough
0: to know it's this. Yeah. something's there, and yeah. yeah, yeah, nice and smooth and light. I like it. Thanks. Tasty. So I uh, definitely want to ask about one line as I was looking at the Warbler site in your bio that came up about your experience. Received national media attention for his innovative concept brews, which frequently incorporated ingredients and concepts from the culinary world.
1: Let me talk to you tell, about tell the me. worst beer I've ever made. <laughs> That's
0: um, I, wanna, I was going to ask you. I want to hear about some of these beers, the good and not so good. OK, uh, the I, I will tell you
1: about a. A beer I made with donuts, and
0: I see you know I see that people breweries posting pictures more and more now involving donuts and sweets. I'm like ah, I don't know, I don't know how I'd feel about that. So I'll preface this by saying I I
1: generally support an adjunct heavy beer. I I think it's I think they're fun. I think there's a place for them. I know I know like. I know there's been some some recent you know returns to, to form with uh, with kind of traditional beers that taste mm-hmm. like beers and and that's that's amazing uh, too. But I, I like I like a heavily adjuncted beer. I like I like things that are nuts and and, uh, oh, yeah. and I'm fun all, to
0: drink and contemplate. I'm all fun. I'm all for experimentation and giving this stuff a try.
1: But I man I really 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 botched this one and it's and it's um so so a, a new donut store making like mini donuts like duck donuts does called damn donuts opened up in the town of Belfont where damn our where our, uh, brew pub was and they reached out to me about doing a, a collaboration beer as kind of like a a um you know just a cross marketing they they were very new like a all soft open uh, kind of, uh, shared product. And I was all about that. That sounded sound like a lot of fun. I, I love doing experimental stuff. It's, it's, um, it's fun to, to explore new, new ingredients and, and techniques and, and watch how things behave. And, and most of the time it doesn't totally suck. So we, we got together, decided on a profile that was going to be based on their, um, they had like a banana, chocolate, donut, and so it was gonna. We were gonna. We were gonna add donuts to the mash, and then use quote unquote natural flavors, which are artificial flavors. Yep. If you see that on the statement of composition of a beer, natural flavoring. It seemed, it, I
0: assume was this a s- going to be yeah. a stout? Seems, seems like a, it would have to be a stout. Uh, it
1: I was a porter. Oh well. Uh, so it was going to be Dark uh, You know, cocoa nibs and um. And uh, like a like an artificial banana flavor. Mm-hmm. And I asked them for like a bucket full of donuts for our, you know, our, our little three barrel mash ton. And they ended up bringing like, a, like 60 pounds of, <laughs> of donuts. And they were like, can we use these? I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to waste all that. And like, I was feeling pretty good that day, I was ready to go. And I was like, we're gonna add them all. And this is where any brewer listening is like, you are so stupid. Um, those donuts are made with wheat, which is uh, which is a really really gummy grain, especially you know after it's been processed. And so that was like the most stuck my mash has ever been. I've been really fortunate. I've only stuck a few mashes, and you know just a handful of mashes in my in my career. And this one was was just. Awful. We we ended up with like a two and a half barrel yield, which is fortunate because it was also the, the grease from the donuts and whatever they. I think they were using like a little bit of like lemon extract and all this stuff going through like the the fermentation and just whatever happened with with the flavoring in the donuts was amplified or bio transformed through the process, and it just it was like the weirdest tasting beer. And it was – like there was like a visible sheen of grease on any pint you poured. Oh, man. And it ended up doing pretty well in the tap room, but it tasted <laughs> tasted awful. And then we had a marketing director at the time who got us set up with, with uh, Westwood One, the, the radio network. And so we – we got like a, like profiled. On, it's like a brewery in Belfon is using donuts in their beer. It's like, well, first of all, we're not the first ones to do this. Second of all, we're not the best ones to do this you know, by, a, <laughs> by a, a huge, huge. So, you know, usually when I'm, you know, when I'm doing when I'm using culinary ingredients, it's it's things from it's you know it's things that are that are more typical nowadays. Yeah. in like a pastry stout, vanilla, cocoa nibs. You know, and, and you know, we've we've gone crazier than that, but that's that's where I like to be. Or, or you know, I, I'll I'll use chili peppers, I'll use smoked mushrooms, or you know, it's, it's fun. things that are things that are fun and add personality to the product, but you can control a little better. Um, yeah. But that was a, that was a horrendous mistake and and the worst thing I've ever done as a brewer. And <laughs> um, and we sold it.
0: That's uh, that's what makes it funny.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny.
0: <laughs> so tell me about this last guy uh, here
1: okay so that's that's blackberry squeech so we have um we have a line of kettle sours just yep. very simple um again um wheat based uh, so that's done with blackberry and vanilla that's, oh that's nice. hence the uh yeah the rich hue yeah in that beer i do like the hue um yeah it's a nice nice finisher palate cleanser um we just use a um a lacto plantarum culture,
0: definitely and, uh, not overly sour. Which no, is nice.
1: yeah, it's it. I'm not really a sour guy, so I just wanted to go for. Tart. I
0: I don't drink them often, but yeah. and but when I do, I can only drink one, like one at a time. I mean, I I mean, I enjoy a good one every once in a while. Frog Alley, I, their squint sours real good. Uh, artisanal has a couple of good sours, but when I do drink them, you know, I can't drink more than one. They just make my mouth water.
1: Yeah, is yeah. You, you run into some tooth melters out there yeah. in the
0: world. Yeah. So you told me about your worst beer. Do you have like a favorite or something you've been incredibly proud of that you've done?
1: Geez, um, so my background, uh, being what it is in, in English styles or, or simple or sessionable, cracking hazy IPAs was was really really special for me. I was afraid to do it for a while because I didn't want to be, I don't want to be judged by, you know, I wanted to be a brewer's brewer. I wanted to make, you know, great brown ales. And, and, and that felt like at the, at, you know, in, in the moment back in like 2015, like, like that was, you know, an egregious violation of, of what trained brewers were doing. <laughs> and, you know, what are you doing? You're not even letting it drop right? You're not going to filter it. So, Getting my getting talking myself into doing unfiltered and, and hazy beer, and then learning to excel at that has been a, a great, great, great learning uh, learning process for me. Great. I feel like I've, I've grown as a person, just <laughs> accepting them into my life, and now I now I love them and, and I like drinking them from from other people. But you know uh, the, you know I've been in I've been in this industry long enough to have felt shame for making hazy IPA. Wow, and um, and so that yeah I now like I guess my first my first really great double hazy I'll I'll, I'll cite as as one that I'm really proud of. It was called Bell, and we did that at Robin Hood, and um, I really, really loved that beer. It was nice. just a uh, uh, galaxy citra mosaic. I think a little Simcoe in there. I have to go back and check the notes, but, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, now they're really fun to do. And, and I'm starting to kind of accept more out there beers as, as more of like a fun challenge. You know, I, I've kind of veered away from, from really crazy adjunct products. Uh, but, but I'm still, yeah, really, uh, really cavalier about about emerging styles and so that one was yeah nice. that's uh, experience was great
0: this black bear really is a nice cleanser between all these other samples yeah. i'm jumping around to as we start wrapping things up here is there something you haven't brewed yet or like you really are itching to try and get to
1: uh i will i will say and and i know that i know that it's the it's um it was recently uh mentioned on on your last episode but yeah, much like the the mixed breed guys. I'm I'm itch- itching to do a black lager. And uh that would be that'd be great it do, do a little schwarzbier like here. I've I haven't come, made one in years. I think I've years. come
0: across one and now I can't remember where I saw it.
1: Uh maybe at Robin Hood. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did one did one years and years ago and um and haven't haven't been haven't returned to it just to, you know, it's hard to find tap space, but I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll we'll team up and make one. Do something with mixed breed on that. Um, cause that, that really did sound enticing. They, I'm happy to help out. That, I know nothing,
0: but I'm, I put the idea in your guy's head. So clearly I'm, can I'm one R&D third guy. of the involved party now.
1: <laughs> and then we have to call it slap and tickle.
0: Oh, we can do that. The old slap <laughs> and tickle black, slap and tickle black lager.
1: Oh boy. <laughs> That'll go over well.
0: I, have you been drinking anything else locally that's really stood out to you? Or you're a big fan of out of curiosity.
1: Unified is crushing it. It's uh, funny
0: you bring that up. I had one of their beers last night. I've had a few of theirs. One last night, I've had for the first time the Bare Knuckled Ballerina New England IPA. That was absolutely yeah, awesome.
1: Yeah, everything everything I have from them is is really really well composed and, and well made. Like it's it's quality. It's not just you know it's it's not just excess or or gimmick. It's really 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 well put together products. And uh, Mad Jack is is another favorite of mine in the area. Oh yeah, I like Mad Jack. Um,
0: Actually, I haven't been over there in a while.
1: Yeah, their their space is just so awesome, and, and I lo- the beer I, is
0: just excellent. I love their setup as a building so old. Yeah, and it's got a lot of haunted stories to it.
1: Oh, love a good love a good uh, spooky brew.
0: Yeah. So you walk in there, and you can just tell the building itself has been there for like a yeah. hundred years.
1: And then yeah, I'm I, I'm really excited to kind of kind of get out and explore i owe i owe scott a visit i want to i want to you know black out in his field
0: (laughs) for an indian ladder
1: (laughs) yeah i i really really itching to to get out and pay people visits but yeah it's been it's been crazy here just opening up and and doing this on our own but yeah i can't wait to just get around and and see everything common roots is another one that's that's phenomenal i have some of the
0: i have um yeah in my fridge i have some unified and common roots right now and then
1: um yeah i don't know how how into the mead scene you are but uh, Royal Meadery, check them out.
0: They're I haven't they're been to Royal Helderberg Meadworks. I've been up to that was a super cool. Uh, yeah, they're doing that a was good job. a fun, fun time when I chatted with uh, the owner there. But uh, yeah, Royal Meadery. They're are they on the same road here too? Yeah, they're, they're like right next yeah. to Real McCoy yeah, too. If you're, so. if you're heading yeah. over there, I don't I don't know
1: if they're I don't know if they're open right now. I, I imagine they would be Saturday. Yeah, yeah, they probably. probably are. Well, yeah, say <laughs> say hi. Tell them that tell them that Chris sent you. Yeah, actually. Um, but yeah, no, their meat is is phenomenal. Really, really. Again, like I'm I'm into clean, and it's yeah, really, really well done. Uh, their ferments are excellent, and uh, and I I love their you know flavor combinations. And
0: mead's a nice change of pace too. Yeah,
1: it is. It's on a day like today, it can't go wrong. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There's some nice mead cocktails out there. Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. Oh,
0: you gotta get their mead hito. Mead hito. Oh yeah. I like the sound of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Seems like a great place to start wrapping up. <laughs> so I think that's a wrap on another successful edition of Stories from a Bar. Big thank you, Chris Shell, for joining me. Said that right this time, right? You, did, you got right. it. Okay, it helps when I look at the screen and I read the name. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to hang out and go through these samples with me, which I'm going to work on finishing after we start wrapping this up. Awesome.
1: <laughs> uh, is is now a good time to plug the social media? Do you yeah, want, absolutely. You want
0: that's stuff? where I was going. So everyone, be sure to follow the Warbler Brewery on Facebook and Instagram, of course. Uh, at to keep
1: Warbler Brew
0: i think at warbler blue brew on instagram yeah facebook yeah
1: I, I think we have a twitter but i never post there so i don't know <laughs> follow it if you want we might, we might get into that
0: warbler brewery.com of course for any online ordering if you are still looking for yeah, that curbside, curbside. Yeah. anything else you want to throw in yeah thanks for having
1: me that'll be twelve dollars for the flights
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i wouldn't dream of not paying i'm just putting that out there A huge thank you to everyone out there for checking out the show. I really appreciate it. You can, of course, follow Stories from a Bar on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at StoriesFAB to keep up with everything going on and coming up on the show. Also, be sure to check out Popcorn and Pints on Facebook, and their social media live streams every Saturday night at 9, uh, for idiots drinking and talking movies and nonsense. Uh, You'll find Stories from a Bar on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Podbeam, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube. I'm sure there's more I can't think of. But be sure to like and subscribe and even more importantly, leave fantastic reviews and share the hell out of it because that's what it all comes down to. So until next time, cheers.